1: Matt Terrio has been helping real estate investors do just that for more than a decade now. If you want to make money in real estate, keep listening. If you want it faster, visit reiace.com. Here's Matt.
2: Hey there, Epic Investor. It's Matt Terrio from Epic Real Estate, where we show people how to invest in real estate using more of their mind than their money, deploying creative financing strategies more head, less bread in your investments, Uh, all with an emphasis on retiring early. This is the Epic Real Estate Investing Show. Really glad that you found us if this is your first time here. And if you like what you hear, make sure you hit the subscribe button before you go. And if this is not your first time here, welcome back. And thank you for sharing this with your friends and family. You are studs and studettes for doing that. I really appreciate that. So thank you. All right. i got two guests for you today. If you're Looking for a low cost and effective way to find motivated sellers, I asked the CEO of a company that provides a product and service that does just that to uh, join me today. So if you've been struggling with getting in front of motivated sellers, that interview, that conversation, I don't know if you can afford to miss it. So that's just for you. But first, uh returning guest, one of the smarter people I know when it comes to raising, managing and growing capital, is back with us to share his Capital Trends of 2021. He's updated his report on financial capital, human capital, intellectual capital, invisible capital, sales and marketing capital and a bonus section of emerging trends. And I'm going to ask him about some of the highlights in his new report and then he'll tell you how to get a free copy for yourself. So, without further ado, please help me welcome from Bullseye Capital, Mr. Joel Block. Joel, welcome back again to the Epic Real Estate Investing Show.
1: Matt, how are you, man? I'm doing well. Happy New Year to you. Thank you. Always good to hang with you, At uh, you know whether it's here or in person, whatever it is, always, always good. Likewise. I enjoy your company
2: as well. Uh, you're a smart dude, and we're back to talk about your uh, capital trends of 2021. And I think the last time you were on the show, maybe there was something in between, but we talked about your trends of 2020. Yeah. And uh, well, so a lot's
1: happened since. Uh, yeah. Since yeah. I mean, I mean, the world has turned inside out and upside down. So. It sure has. And maybe that leads right into what I was going to ask is, uh, you know, based on your predictions
2: and your trends of 2020, um, what about 2020 really surprised
1: you? Well, I'll tell you something. First of all, uh, most of our trends did very well. Now, of course, we didn't predict the pandemic. Nobody could. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, but most everything, these are business trends, and they really survive very well. The companies that were using these, uh, these kinds of modalities, for example, subscription revenue, and that were being driven by leadership, and the kind of vision, and the kinds of things that we talked about in the report, uh, they did much better than other people. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, uh, I don't know about you, but many, many of the people that I'm around are doing uh, better this year than they even were last year. I mean, last year was a banner year for them, mm-hmm. and that surprises a lot of people. Yeah. Those of us who are creative, entrepreneurial, light on our feet, uh, there are a lot of opportunities. A lot of things are broken. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, we'll, we'll get around to this here maybe toward the end, but I'll tell you that assets are going on sale in 2021, and people need to be positioned to buy assets. As we kind of get through this, we'll kind of talk right. through why that is, uh, but it will become very, very crystal clear and obvious uh, that there are a lot of people who are hurting and those people have to sell what they sell. And the rest of us then that, that buy assets, we're able to help those people out of their problems. So right, um, right. You know, it's, uh, we'll, we'll get to that toward the end. Yeah, for sure. And I would love to uh,
2: hear why you think so. Cause I'm kind of leaning towards the other direction. So that'll be good to compare the notes. Um, So, yeah, I think being surprised, I think that that was a good one. I wasn't even thinking about that, but I know so many people around me that had their best year ever in 2020.
1: Well, you know, a lot of people had their worst year ever because they were trying to do the same thing over and over again. And the world changed 20 years overnight. Mm -hmm. And then there are other people that just reorganized themselves in in every capacity, moving to virtual, uh, changing their business model, rethinking whatever they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they did very well. And, and there's a lesson there. And the lesson is that, you know, we have to go with the flow. Yep. And if the river changes course and moves to the right, uh, staying to the left and hoping it comes back to the left isn't going to, you know, get you wet. Mm-hmm. I, mean, <laughs> I mean, we have to kind of go where the, uh, where the world's going and we have to pay attention. Uh, you know, people like you, people like me, uh, we share our ideas so that people who uh, know us and, and uh, want to hear what we have to say can follow uh, some of what we see because we have the benefit maybe of talking to many, many more people than other people do and kind of aggregating those ideas and sharing them and helping people to kind of get moving in the right direction.
2: Mm Hmm. Mm Hmm.
1: You know, speaking of that, of
2: people having to adapt and, and, and a lot of people brought their business at home, right. Or brought their business to home and working for home. And I noticed in your, your latest, uh, Trends list. By the way, if someone wanted to get a copy of this, what's the best place for them to go to get that? Uh,
1: they take take out their mobile phone, uh, uh-huh. open the texting app, uh-huh. uh, put in the number 000, seven two zero zero zero, and then type in the word trend T R E N D singular trend. Got it, and then you get a copy. That's it. So full report.
2: There's twenty nine different trends here that you might want to uh, pay attention to. So I pulled out a few for us to talk about, and that was kind of the one of the the number twenty seven is working from
1: home. It's here to stay. Well, it's here to stay. That doesn't mean that people aren't going to be going back to work. Mm -hmm. Uh, I really think there'll be some hybrid model that'll be uh, adapted or adopted in some capacity. Uh, Keep in mind that people like going to work. People like to socialize at work, especially younger people. Uh, Mm -hmm. A lot of the younger people make their friends there. Uh, Some people meet their spouses there. Uh, Many good things come out of it. A little older people uh, have responsibilities that make it more convenient to work at home. Like maybe they have children. Or animals, or they care for parents, or whatever their situation is, and so different people are going to want different things. But let's assume that on on balance, fifty percent of the people go in, and fifty percent of the people don't. Whether they go in two days, three days, uh, on average, let's say it's it's half. I think that this is going to create an enormous, enormous change in our society at large. The whole society will be changed by this. And the patterns of how people buy real estate are going to be enormously affected by this. Mm-hmm. So, for example, first thing is to go to work. You got to get in your car. If half as many people are getting in their car, uh, that's a terrific thing for uh, climate, mm-hmm. you know, for global warming and all the other issues that people are concerned about. Uh, it's wonderful for uh, traffic, you know, yep. for uh, for a lot of the congestion that a lot of us deal with in big cities. But you know, on the other hand, uh, there are some; uh, those are winners, but there are some losers too. Oil companies and everything related to automotive is sort of a loser. You know, the Jiffy Lubes, the uh, all these different companies that uh, supply uh, services for automobiles that maybe drive fifteen thousand miles a year may not need to sell as much stuff to people who are driving eight or ten thousand miles a year. So that's that could be a big change. Um, One of the big losers are going to be uh, cities, towns, and governments because uh, there's going to be a lot less traffic tickets written, a lot Mm -hmm. less parking tickets issued, a lot less sales tax collected in parking garages and other places. So a lot of what they've established as their revenue streams stands to go away or, or morph into something else, which they are not on top of yet. And they're going to have a lot of work to do to get on top of it. No, I can see that kind of trickles down and it impacts. Like, yeah, so, right. right. So so then yeah. let's say these people, now they get into the city. Well, you know, a, a company that had uh, 20 stories of an office building now maybe only needs 10 mm-hmm. and all the other uh, landlords are going to be dealing with the same thing because all the companies are only going to need 10 instead of mm-hmm. 20. Uh, well, so that makes commercial real estate sort of a bad bet for a while. Now, that doesn't mean that for professional investors, it's a bad bet. But for many people, it's going to be a big problem. So, uh, you know, when I talk about assets going on sale, the value of commercial real estate in urban areas is going down. Same thing for the restaurants 50% of the people in, uh, in downtown means that there's only going to be 50% of the people in your restaurants getting their shoes shined, uh, going to, uh, I don't know, whatever the other facilities are that are all downtown. So, uh, commercial utilization is going to go down and it's going to go very soft. And in a place like Manhattan, where uh it just it's enormously dense uh, I can imagine in these giant buildings 46 floors of people are going to be moved to New Jersey you know why why put them to work in a very expensive place like New York when they can work New Jersey uh, for much less and then have phone lines that are moving data back and forth so New York's got this giant infrastructure uh the city's not going to get taxed on all those people uh, the subways aren't going to have enough dollars to uh, pay for themselves so there's going to be this enormous shuffle. And when I talk about the ownership shuffle, you know, commercial real estate may be ended up converting into residential use or something else. Uh, you know, so there's just, that's what I'm talking about the shuffle. There's going to be an enormous shuffle the way assets are used uh, and it's, it's going to be very substantial. So uh, those are a couple of implications. We could talk about any more that you want, but those yeah. are some of the big implications that are going to come from working at home. Just, mm-hmm. and and by the way, and then what happens is, is it makes it possible for people to live further away if they're not driving in. Uh, they want larger homes because they want to put an office in their home. Maybe they want to put an exercise room in their home because they're not going to the gym anymore. Mm-hmm. So what that means is that people may move further away beyond the suburban uh, you know, areas into even what are rural areas. Mm-hmm. And so new developments will come in those areas and there'll be more sprawl and things will get a little more spread out. So. Those you are know, some of the big things that I see happen. Right. You know, I was
2: listening to a, a Joe Rogan podcast. Uh, remember the old comedian, Tom Green? I think so. You remember him? He was on MTV for a while and and kind of a wild and zany guy who got famous by playing pranks on his parents while they were sleeping. <laughs> 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 it was pretty funny to watch. He just didn't want to be the dad because the dad got the worst of it. But um, he was talking like his life has totally changed and, and he kind of taken up on the converted one of these big, giant um, Sprinter Mercedes-Benz vans, put the solar panels on top, and he's and he's running this podcast and his YouTube channel, everything right out of his van. He's just touring the country, and he's creating all this stuff. So anyway, it just kind of sent me down this little rabbit hole because the way he described it, it sounded very romantic. I was like, oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. And so I started looking and researching, and gosh, there's a whole trend on, on um, what do you call it, the, on, on YouTube and then the, the hashtags on Instagram. And it sent me down this whole spiral of, how people can work from anywhere. like Cause that's kind of what he's doing. And people like, not even like, if you go right out here, I live right by a red rock Canyon here in Vegas. And every morning there's a big rock climbing place, but every time you can go there any time of the day and there's just vans parked out, just tons of these sprinter vans and, and vans like it, all just parked out there. And you can see where they have their doors open. People are living in their vans and working from their vans and
1: traveling the country. Well, think about this. If you didn't have to be, uh, you know, shackled to a certain uh, location, mm-hmm. what could you do? Yeah. I mean, you, you could people think about all it. the fun. <laughs> I mean, there's no limit. It's your imagination only. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's real for people. If you didn't have to buy real estate, I mean, it's, it's well known that uh, these uh, extras and different people are not as into, you know, owning homes as uh, older people are. And, and the idea for them of just adventure and experience is so valuable. So imagine for them, uh, just, Hey, listen, you know what? I can, I can cash your, my money electronically. Uh, I can, I can be on the phone. I can use the internet. I can do the things that I do. I can produce music. I can produce podcasts, whatever you produce. And all these things are delivered electronically. Um, there, you know, there's a whole, uh, group of people in our society and it's millions and millions of people that have that luxury. Now there are a lot of people who have factory jobs blue collar jobs, and they have no flexibility. Those are people that are really at the mercy of others. uh, And that's a shame. Those are not our audience, Mm -hmm. but you know, but we have to be lucky, be fortunate, and be thankful that we have the capacity that we do because we're uh, in an intellectual property uh, type business. We're, uh, you know, we're doing something that enables us to have great gifts. For sure, for sure.
2: Super, so let's, um, another one caught my eye on, on your trends report, number eight, up your
1: game. Oh, well, you know, here's here's the thing. Um, let's start with number seven. Money follows expertise. OK, uh, because one is for business, one is for people. Mm-hmm. So for people, uh, money follows expertise. Uh, you teach people how to do something. Mm-hmm. I teach people how to do something. Uh, and let me promise you, if people don't get good at it, they'll never make the money that they want. And that's why you have to align yourself with people who know what they're doing. And and this is not a commercial for either of us, but I'm just telling you that people who do better at things make more money at it. That's by and large true. And in this economy, think again about this work from home thing that let's say that, uh, you know, you right now work for a company uh, in your town. Well, all of a sudden, uh, now you can work for any company in any town. Unless you're a really hot crackerjack type salesman or, or salesperson. Uh, wouldn't you think a company across the country would like to have you and maybe at a much, much higher rate of pay? Mm -hmm. So companies are going to have access to better employees and employees are going to have access to better companies. But what that means is the competition is going to get more stiff and you need to get better at what you do, whether it's flipping real estate, flipping burgers or, 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 or shuffling paper. It doesn't matter what it is, but you need to be the best that you can be in that job. And then the, the number eight one is up your game. That's companies have to continue to up their game. They have to uh, be better employers. They have to build better resumes, meaning they got to have better people. Uh, Jeff Bezos is brilliant at this, that he doesn't keep reinventing himself. at and has reinvented itself over and over again as, as time has changed. And that's been brilliant. But Jeff Bezos has been brilliant at continually upping his game. So he keeps raising the bar. First, we're going to do e-commerce. Then we're going to do prime so we can have better shipping. Then we're going to do the next thing and the next thing. And then it it just, he keeps raising the bar and everybody's compared to him. And all companies have to think about themselves in the same way. So I would just tell uh, all of the listeners, you have to be at the top of your game. You have to be the best that you can be. And you got to get around people who can help you be the best that you can be. Uh, You know, otherwise you're going to be squashed by people who are better than you. And the world is about getting better and better and better. And I will tell you that it has something to do with alignment, with who your friends are, who your mentors are, who who you look up to and who you associate with. Correct.
2: No, I, I couldn't agree more. And looking at it from one perspective, the other perspective that I think would agree is, you know, we've got a new administration coming in and a lot of changes have happened in the last few weeks. And, but one of the things on, on the table right now is this idea of um, increasing the minimum wage. And I see that as, you know, someone like a Jeff Bezos, they're going to be able to, to afford that and they will be able to withstand that. The Walmarts of the world will be able to withstand that. I'm sure though with the flip, of, the flip of a switch, they'll pass it on to the consumers anyway. But um, I look at the small businesses. I mean, it's 50% of our workforces is uh, employed by small business. And Going through this pandemic of two thousand and twenty, it was came, became very clear that small businesses are just a couple months away from being out of business. yeah right? just because you're a business owner doesn't mean you're this wealthy person that can withstand you know whatever gets thrown at it. So I see this fifteen dollar minimum wage being something like that to really put a stress on them and this is a stress on these businesses after they come out of this pandemic limping, trying to recover, and the whole point there is they're going to keep the best of the best. They're going to have to let some people go. They're going to have to make some sacrifices. They're going to have to cut some expenses. And they're going to keep the best of the best of, of their employees.
1: Well, I see it's similar, but, okay. uh, but let's take it a step or two further. We have a situation here in Los Angeles right this minute where a lot of supermarkets and, and places where there are frontline workers that have to work at these essential workers, mm-hmm. uh, they were awarded by the city what's called hero pay. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's like frontline worker bonus pay. And it's like four or $5 an hour extra. And you know, what's happening now is the places that employ those people are starting to close and cities and communities are losing hundreds and hundreds of jobs. I mean, like markets and and these places that have very razor thin margins, uh, they're being forced out of business. And what the government frequently does not realize. Who's paying the hero pay. I haven't heard about this actually. Yeah. This is something that's happening in California. OK. And, and so, so it's who pays and, that, and, and California or the actual. No, border? no, no. The um, they passed a law that said you if you have frontline workers that are made to work like like grocery stores, you mm-hmm. must pay them extra. And a lot of times this is happening city by city. Mm-hmm. So Long Beach uh, is, has these this hero pay thing going on and, and they're required to pay this uh, this certain extra bonus pay. Uh, which is a very nice idea. Listen, no one disagrees that it's a nice idea. Right. Everyone will but, more money Of for course, that. listen, everybody wants everybody to have a good life. Everybody yes. wants everybody to be able to take care of themselves. and But part of it goes back to up your game too, and money follows expertise. If people would up their game a little bit, they'd be worth a little more and they get more money. Mm-hmm. But w- what's happening is that uh, these businesses uh, cannot afford to do this and they're running out of money and they're, they're going broke. And so, what the governments frequently don't realize is that businesses have choices. Governments raise taxes and then people choose to leave the state and then the state ends up with less money than it had before. Mm -hmm. So then it has to extra tax the people that are left and then more people leave. And it's, so let's talk about the minimum wage because you're talking about, uh, you know, what happens. Well, at some point, let's say you're paying eight or $9 an hour and you get forced up to $15 an hour. At some point in time, the business owner says, you know, I wonder what it would cost to get a robot to uh, cashier the money. Mm-hmm. Get a computer, computer, you know, uh, let's say it costs $10,000 to buy one, but then it basically costs almost nothing to run it. You know, and they do a break-even analysis and they figure out, you know what, uh, that's $6 an hour. Uh, I break even in, uh, in 14 months or 12 months or whatever the number of months is. I'm going to do that. And I'm going to let, you know, 80% of my workforce go. So in a certain way, sometimes the government does things that have these unintended consequences because yeah. businesses have choices. Everybody has a choice. And the government uh, does something and then we respond to it. And and then they respond to that. And it goes back and forth. We're playing ping pong with the government. And, and that's something that we got to pay attention to. But, you know, when you talk about $15 an hour workforce, McDonald's, I mean, how many McDonald's you ever been to that now that you go up yep. and, and it's like a computer and you slide your credit card, everything is paid. And basically there's a person at the front that just gives you the tray. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine that these McDonald's have many less workers. Than they had before, yep. and that's unfortunate because McDonald's was a great employer. I mean, they gave people that really yeah. had disadvantages, uh, certain kinds of problems. They were very, very nice to those kind of people, but at fifteen dollars an hour, they, they can't really afford to be too nice. Right now, now it's all business. That's happened in, in guys. There's one airport, and I've been in there multiple times. Maybe it's
2: Dallas, maybe it's Atlanta, but you know, if you go to the bar, it's all
1: just iPad now.
2: Yeah, well, right. there's not a
1: waitress. There's not. Uh, there's half. Well, the then, party. so think about that. So, you know, on the one hand, it's kind of a cool thing for the consumers. It's kind of mm-hmm. fun for us. I mean, there's a little novelty. Uh, but the reason they do that is because somebody has probably put them in a situation where they had to do some some analysis and think about it because it costs. They, they don't just put that there for fun because it costs a lot of money to right. put those kinds of systems in. They're they're doing analysis, saying we're going to save money, and. You know, when 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 you have a very low base pay and these people are getting good tips, uh, they wouldn't be putting in if they got low-priced labor. They wouldn't be putting in computers, but with high-priced labor, uh, they're doing an analysis and then you know they make a decision. Yeah. And unfortunately, that decision has very very serious impact on the exact people the government's trying to help. Mm-hmm. Crazy.
2: Up your game. That's the uh, the model for that one, for sure. Uh, I've always been about that constant and
1: never ending improvement. Right. Oh, you know, listen, I, I hope that this is uh, better news than bad news. You know, I mean, it's uh, I think that we're when we get on the other side of this and this is a tough go here, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to be so much better off. But there's just some tough times and there's some strategies like up your game that people can use to to be at the top of the pile. Mm-hmm. You know somebody's going to get be at the bottom of the pile there are people going to be at the top of the pile so I hope your people Matt, are going to be at the top of the pile they read this report um yeah this is this is wall street material you know i've got a i've got an audience of rock stars i have no doubts about them
2: uh number 28 what does this one mean this caught my
1: eye stop the gimmicks well you know listen a lot of retail players uh um, They just uh, they they just do one gimmick after the next. Like for example, uh, I got a uh, an email from uh, one of the phone carriers. You know my carrier, and I don't want to call them out and embarrass anyone. That's not my purpose. But you know, one of the phone carriers says, "Come into our store. Uh, You're going to get a free phone, and something's going to happen." You get in there, and you find out that you don't qualify. That there's you got to jump through a bunch of hoops, Mm -hmm. uh, or they may have one price online and another price in the store. There's so much information in the world that companies have to stop playing games. Consumers are smart. Now, remember, this is not yet a trend. This is an emerging trend or a wishful thinking trend on my part, where there's, there's the last two or three are just things that I want the world to do. I wish that this would happen. Mm. It's kind of like a little bit uh, of an alert. But the bottom line is that companies play a lot of games. And in the old days, when people didn't have a lot of information, uh, they could get away with that. But now consumers are much smarter. We've upped our game. And, and they're still playing with us like we're yeah. uh, in, in elementary school. And it's backfiring on these companies. And some of them are being embarrassed. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I really encourage these big companies, and there are some big companies that are reading this report, uh, that it really is time to stop playing games and treat people with more respect and be a little more transparent about your pricing and about some of your policies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's better, it's better business. And I, I would say the same thing, even though most of us are entrepreneurial people, same thing. Don't play games with your tenants, Uh, you know, treat them fair, treat them with respect unless they don't deserve your respect anymore because they disrespect you by not paying or whatever happens. But Mm -hmm. start the relationship by treating people with respect, demand respect in return, and have that kind of relationship. You're going to go a lot further. I like it. We should broaden that to our politicians as well. Well, that's uh, a, <laughs> that, that's a whole different course. <laughs>
2: it's tough to have a conversation with anything about, with anybody about anything without going there.
1: Yes, it is. I was it just is. thinking, yes, like, I is.
2: feel like we've been, games have been, gimmicks have been played with us all year long. But they, anyway, moving on, I want to talk about why you think assets are going on sale in 2021. Well,
1: uh, great. Let's, uh, that's, that's awesome. Um, here's the thing. Uh, State of California just uh extended the eviction moratorium rules until let's say, I think June, uh, I did, okay. end up going longer. Uh, the federal government is toying around with, uh, with whatever their arrangements are going to be. I don't know what that is yet. And landlords are having a hard time. I mean, people mm-hmm. are having a hard time keeping their buildings because they're not collecting the rent they're supposed to get and they'll never collect it ever. I mean, you know, it may be due in arrears, but mm-hmm. let me promise you, these are not people that are, uh, even even more substantial tenants, they're not putting the money aside for, for uh, right. when this is over and then they pay the landlord a whole bunch of back rent. So the landlords are never going to collect their rent. In many cases, these are mom and pops that own buildings that have been saving for their whole lifetime. Uh, they've been very diligent, putting money away for, uh, for their retirement. Mm-hmm. And, and there are people who unfortunately are going to end up losing their properties. So uh, they're going to run out of cash and that's why there's going to be this big ownership shuffle. And this is going to happen in real estate, in the small deals, but it's also happening in corporate America in the very big companies. Mm -hmm. Very, very few companies or people have enough cash to last for 6 or 12 or 18 months. And we're going on a year now. I mean, we are approaching a year. Mm -hmm. And very few people can sustain themselves with reduced, substantially reduced cash flow for that period of time. Look at the cruise ships. They're burning, let's say Carnival Cruise Company they're burning $500 million a month because they have lease payments and they have other kinds of responsibilities for those ships. Even though they've cut most of their payroll, they're taking in nothing. They're taking in absolutely nothing and they're burning up their money. And, you know, I mean, how long can that keep going? Mm -hmm. Uh, It happened to Dunkin' Donuts already. Dunkin' had to sell off 600 stores because their traffic was off because people aren't going to school. Kids aren't going to school. So, uh, parents who drive their kids to school aren't stopping for coffee and donuts and other things. Right. So they ended up, uh, you know, beside closing 600 stores, they ended up putting themselves up for sale. And Arby's bought them for uh, you know for a pretty substantial fee. But uh, you know, it's happening at the highest level. It's happening at the lowest level. Mm-hmm. And, and I just see more and more of this, that there are people who just are going to run out. Let's take a look. Here's restaurants. Here's what's going to happen to restaurants. Mm-hmm. I mean, people have been stopped from going to restaurants and restaurants through no fault of their own are starving to death. Yeah, And, and so now they're starting to reopen here in Los Angeles, maybe in Las Vegas, they're, uh, they've already been open. But uh, a lot of them are operating at, at reduced capacity and they're just really uh, in, in a world of hurt. Well, here's what happens. They close. The landlord now has a, a beautiful space ready to go. It, it, didn't, it didn't go out of business because it wasn't in a good location. It didn't go out of business because... Uh, of anything terrible. It's just the guy ran out of money under these terrible and ridiculous and unusual circumstances. Mm-hmm. And so what ends up happening, the landlord then leases the building to a new restaurateur who buys it for a song and then ends up with a successful restaurant because now we get on the other side of the pandemic uh, six or nine months from now or whatever it is. And we end up uh, you know being healthy and, and somebody's going to end up with a really good deal. So uh, the buy low uh, kind of thing, we're in a buy low environment right now. And people are going to be buying restaurants, they're going to be buying real estate, they're going to be buying buildings, they're going to be buying businesses uh, because uh, they're going to take advantage of other people's problems, not on purpose. They didn't put the people in these problems, right. but right. Uh, they're going to just be on the uh, the good side of the situation. I mean, as real estate investors, we looked for property owners with problems before the pandemic. Yeah, well, and now people have more problems. Now people have got more problems, exactly. You know, And so that, that's that's why I think that a lot's going on sale. And that's why, you know, I run a mastermind, Matt, as you know of, I have mm-hmm. fund managers, guys like yourself. Yep. And and I've been telling these guys what kinds of uh, predictions, what kinds of assets. And, and that kind of, uh, you know, I mean, I'm telling fund managers, gather up your money mm-hmm. because now's the time to, uh, to have your stockpiles. You need to have your dry powder ready to go so you can start buying uh, the kinds of assets because a situation like this, uh, no one's ever seen it before in 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 any of our lifetimes, any of our grandparents' lifetime. It's never yep. happened before. Yeah, but it's it's happening now. So
2: if we narrow the focus down, just say single family residential properties. Um, here here's I'm kind of thinking it might not impact that as much as the other areas that you've mentioned, and I don't know enough about the other areas to even challenge that. So it, it all sounds logical the way that you put it. But with the single family houses. With supply like inventory is so low and the demand is so high, um, I think there's enough demand as well as enough you know of your customers that have funds enough money on the sidelines to prevent anything
1: from totally collapsing. Because like, I think I, I, be did, I didn't say there's going to be a collapse. Yeah, I said that individual people are going to be running out of money. Totally right. And, but you, so said individual individual people, you said this is the time to buy assets. I don't think that the market is going to collapse. Mm-hmm. I think that there are people who are going to collapse. And, you know, so we're, we have to be, uh, you know, very, very good uh, target hunters mm-hmm. where we look for specific kinds of situations right. and help those people before they go into uh, even worse problems than they're in now. Mm-hmm. That's 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 kind of what I'm thinking about. Okay. Well, th- okay.
2: So then also... Because 2020, I think, exceeded everybody's expectations when it comes to appreciation. Um, these people with problems—I don't think they're going to be the same types of people with problems they in from a 2007 or 2008 no. because they've got equity, and when right. you have See, equity, you got options.
1: The difference between um, the difference between 2008 and now is that at that time it was uh, it was a real problem where you had a real banking emergency. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are people that have a real problem. There are people who've lost their jobs right? that are own properties. Right. And let's say they have made a bank payment in a while. For now, they're kind of safe. Mm-hmm. But let's say you rent your house and you don't get the same protection because the only people who get those protections uh, from the banks are people who live in their house, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say that you don't get those protections and you're the one that loses your job. And now you lose, you've lost your rental income and you have lost your uh, job and you mm-hmm. still have the responsibility of paying the mortgage. There are a lot of those people that are pinched in the middle, that get caught in some kind of a pickle, and and we have to find those people because mm-hmm. those people really need our help getting out. Right. Um, and that's uh, you know that listen that's that's what I'm talking about. Right. There are no, a I, lot of those. I situations. agree with you.
2: I just feel like uh, I don't know how low the price will actually get if people have experienced a whole year of appreciation, although they have the hardship. The equity might, you know, save them a little bit with the
1: amount well, of demand that's up listen, there. People are going to bid. Properties don't have to go to the floor right. to be a good deal. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, because there's a range and you can buy at the low end of the range. Um, I don't think people are going to be crushed, but, you know, but we also don't know uh, how much people are leveraged. I mean, there are some True. people leverage more than others. I mean, it's uh, banks aren't letting you go to 95% like they used to. But there's still people who are at 80 percent that might only have 10 percent left uh, of their equity. I mean, because uh, not everywhere is uh, is equally uh, buoyant, right? No, I agree. I think there's a lot there's a lot of variables
2: though, and it's it seems to be a real a lot of moving targets as well. And kind of what you had said initially was, you know, we've never seen this. Our grandparents have never seen this, and our, their their parents have never seen this. Like we're, yeah. We are definitely in unprecedented times, if that hasn't been the most overused word of the, the year. but
1: Well, I mean, listen, it's uh, this is an unusual situation. Mm-hmm. And all we can do is try to be a little bit um, uh, creative. We can try to be a little bit clear. Uh, one of the things that uh, I, I think has been a big problem all the way along, when this thing first started, they said, okay, listen, in, in two weeks, it's kind of going to blow over.
0: Okay? In right, two weeks, right. it
1: didn't blow over. And so, okay, now we're going to go into lockdown for two months. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then we'll reevaluate and at the end of two months. Okay. Well, it's kind of gotten even worse. And so now we have to do this next thing. And now we're a year later and we keep looking at this in in these little increments. And Now we're looking at the vaccine the same way. And we're saying uh, that all of us are gonna be vaccinated, hopefully by the summer. Well, mm-hmm. there's 300 million of us that need to get vaccinated. You know, there's, there's more than that in the country, but let's say that's how many. And we each need two shots That's 600 million injections and they're doing a million a week. I mean, that's two years by itself. Right. So I, I think it's going to go faster than that but it's not going to be done in two or three or four months. It's just not. And and we keep being uh, somehow, uh, I don't know, we keep fantasizing about what we're going to accomplish and it doesn't go that way. And we need, I think the people who are more successful are a little more critical thinkers mm-hmm. and we need to think this is going to go on for a little while more. Yep, uh, It's not over yet. Yep. Super. So,
2: the report. It's you text the word trend. Is it to seventy two thousand or seventy two hundred thousand? Okay, zero. So text the word trend to seventy two thousand. You can download Joel's report, twenty nine uh, trends for capital of two thousand twenty one, and uh, check it out. You one of the smartest guys I know. I
1: love uh, spending time with him and talking to him about stuff. And uh, if and you know, have, man, if we could also uh, let people yeah. know that. Sure. Uh, You know, our symposium, and maybe you could talk about that for a minute. Oh, of course. That's that's what we normally talk about. Yeah. Ordinarily it is. is. Uh, When is the next one? uh, It starts, it's going to be live on Zoom starting April 27th. Okay. And and that's where we teach people how to raise capital, how to put together syndications, funds so that they can have all the powder they need to go out and buy things. Uh, You know, uh, we helped you build yours and and we've built, you know, many, many, many other ones. Uh, in fact, this one is probably the most subscribed we've ever had. There are more people that want to build structures now than probably ever before. So, if people are thinking, uh, they can either go to uh, syndicatefast.com uh-huh. and you know get on our list. We send out videos and other kinds of things, or they can uh, the same number seventy two thousand. They can text the word asset a s s e t asset perfect to seventy two thousand. And if you would put those things in the show notes, then, you know, whoever is interested uh, can kind of come into our sure. world and, and get all sorts of advisory from us. Absolutely. And just
2: a, um, a testimony that Joel is the one who helped me set up my fund. And I referred him several very happy, satisfied clients that he's helped do the same for. So if that's in the, the books or then game plan for you next in your real estate investing business, I highly recommend it. He's the best I know. All righty, Joel, thank you so much. And uh, I'll see you again soon. Yes, we will. Thanks, Matt. You're the man. You bet. Take care, bud. Hey, 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 hey. Where are you going? No, we're not done. If you're looking for motivated sellers, specifically a cost-effective way of doing it, I'd like to introduce you to my next guest. But first...
1: Your portfolio has seen
0: better days. But too shall pass and the best for you is yet to come together we'll get you there faster we're cash flow savvy and we'd like to share some information with you that will show you how you can take control of your financial future and accelerate its arrival go to cashflowsavvy.com more building less waiting cashflowsavvy.com
2: on the phone, I'm joined by CEO of the groundbreaking lead generating platform, Launch Control. So please help me welcome to the show, Mr. Aaron Pimpas. Aaron, welcome to the Epic Real Estate Investing Show. Glad to be here, man. Thanks for having me. I know we've yeah. been chatting for a while. We have, and we've had a couple of ups and miscommunications, but we made it because we're professionals. There you go. <laughs> so- I, I really love what, what you do. And I've been really looking forward to having this conversation with you. And I've actually been a little bit um, disappointed, not in you, but disappointed that we haven't had that been able to have this conversation sooner with uh, just a, a great service you provided. I've got a bunch of my REI Ace clients that are using it and are swearing by it. And I just want to share it with everybody. And that is your uh, service launch control. And so before we do that though, Kind of give me a, a little bit of a story. We haven't got to talk too much about you personally, um, of what you were doing just before you started this and what inspired you to do it.
0: Yeah, so I think it's a similar story to everybody else, right? You know, had the uh, the corporate nine to five. You started right. with
2: Rich Dad poor Dad?
0: is that where it started? Um, no, we actually started mm-hmm. with, um, I don't okay. know what it was. It was just like, you know, random courses. And can you hear me okay? Yeah. So well, you said started like everyone else, and that's everybody's beginning. So Yeah, anyway, I think it was. I'm sorry, I'll be know. quiet, go ahead it's a combination of things. Right. So, uh, but it was in 2018. Mm -hmm. So my partner and I, we were in, I would say corporate America, right. We had, um, we're in medical software. So essentially that's where the software component will will come in, but uh, we're both, you know, got advanced to the VP positions, you know, we're doing it flying all over the place and it just sucked. You know, we're making pretty good money, but overall it was just like the quality was just like, not there. Uh, You know, we're gone. We had kids, you know, it's just back and forth. And then, in 2018, we just decided to make the transition. It was actually gonna be it's gonna be three years in March. Uh, so yeah, but we decided to transition to real estate, right? Obviously, start acquiring knowledge, et cetera, et cetera. And then um, Ashley, my partner, she quit first, and then I kind of followed suit later on. But essentially, you know, we just started doing wholesaling deals, you know, learning as we kind of you know fail forward, doing a couple of rehabs here and there. Um, you know, we ended up doing, I think, over a million our first year. I'd say year over year. So, you know, we just applied everything we learned from our kind of like the private equity uh company that I used to work for. Uh her she used to work for a publicly traded company. So we just took all that knowledge and it kind of inserted into our own business, right? And that's kind of like what you should be doing, right? Take what you're best at, take yeah, your skill you set. Um, you said
2: you were in corporate America in 2018. So this is really recent.
0: Yeah. So yeah, it's going to be okay. literally three years next month right. for us. Yeah. I think three okay. years, March or April. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, we basically wanted to hit the ground running, you know, a lot of mistakes. We were, you know, spent everything up to like 30 K in marketing uh, each month not necessarily best ROIs. Right. But tried every marketing channel that was out there. Um, and then what we started doing is it's like, look, nobody was doing texting back then, you know, on the scale that it is now. So kind of, created our own Mm -hmm. software and started doing it. I mean, it was just absolutely, I mean, think of it back then, right? The ROI was just like, you couldn't even calculate it, right? Because there's Cost was basically nothing. So, from that, we were creating our own software and kind of using our experience because we both work for medical software companies, kind of did everything from product to marketing to sales, you know, a little bit of uh, knowledge on all aspects. Mm-hmm. And that helped us to create um, what were the beginnings of launch, right? So, we applied also the big component, which is still, I think, what is the biggest differentiator today, Matt, is that we made it sales process driven, right? It's meant prospecting, not the spam tools that are, let's say, out there now, because we all know, and I know you kind of teach this with your students as well, it's like, look, you can do whatever you need to, but if you're not there in the follow-up, and you're doing it in the process, and again, in this case, sales process-driven method, you're just throwing money out the window, and you're just you know, throwing kind of a, what I would say is cold um, prospecting at what I would say is probably one of the best channels for return on investment right? Um, But going into 2019, right? So we started putting everything together, et cetera, in 2019. So there was an opportunity to take kind of launch to market, right? There was other softwares emerging, et cetera. And I'm like, look, man, this is like, we got a way better product. So we had an opportunity to um, release that. And that's kind of started it all. I mean, we were able to grow at pretty, pretty fast rate. And our our kind of approach was always the same, right? We were following a very specific process, and that's why our conversions, you know, to deal, right? That's what it's about, right? Cost to cost per deal and text to deals is another metric that we track very much. Um, has been always lower, right, when compared to either other texting platforms or even other approaches, because working everything down instead of taking the same approach as everybody else has been the key, and that's why we have um, our drip campaigns. I would say account for about 70% of our overall deal flow. And the same thing for all of our users, right? Because we just focused on that aspect uh, so much. And look, it's the same thing in in any industry. If you go in there, sales comes up for follow-up, right? And I think what we got to here with, unfortunately, this industry is where everybody was doing on the first try and expecting to get like, you know, 10, 15 deals. I guess maybe that worked initially, but not everybody, when everybody started going to mass scale, right? That no longer is the same thing, just like direct mail, just like any other methods. I mean, look, you've seen it all basically. But if you don't have that backend dialed in, you're going to be just literally spinning your wheels and then hoping to get deals from the jump. It just simply doesn't work that way, right? Regardless of what business. So that's kind of right. it in a nutshell. Uh, I, I just try to fast track it there a little bit, but um, that kind of gives you a perspective. You know, how we got from A to Z, obviously we still have our investment company, Um that is um, in Tampa, and uh, you know it's kind of evolved into just a separate business. Sweet, yeah. So if you look at the the direct sales uh, industry that
2: tracks those types of statistics, they say you know eighty percent of your deals are going to come through your fifth and your twelfth contact. And that's based right. on what you just said, that's pretty much right on the money. And I talked to another guy that ran a a sales floor for mortgages, and his he was very meticulous and tracked every single person on the floor, and it was almost mm-hmm. the exact same thing. You know, the the saying the fortune is in the follow up is not just a cliche. It's actually where the fortune is. Right. Exactly. So you said um, your cost, your your cost per deal, what was was better than other people that were doing this or any other service or any other um, method? What is what can you expect uh, your cost per deal to be these days?
0: Yeah, so it depends on obviously the market, right? That determines everything, just like with direct mail. So I would just say, let's say, take an average market, like even Tampa, where it's a little bit more competitive. Um, mm-hmm. You can be anywhere like where we are now. And we would think we've always been fluctuating around a thousand or just below, you know, it can go to $700 mm-hmm. per deal. So yeah. it obviously comes down to, of course, your data, it comes down to like make sure you're not using obviously, you know, like data zaps cheap. a pen service for your skip tracing, make sure you're using, you know, high quality uh, pen services, uh, which is built into our platform as well. But overall, I think anybody should be between a thousand, maybe plus or minus, but if you compare that to pretty much uh, other marketing channels, the two biggest ones would be pay-per-click and uh, direct mail. I think Mm -hmm. now that the inventory is much lower, right? And I stay in touch with a bunch of people who are doing, you know, either direct mail, they own the services, Etc. Um, the, the cost per deal has been coming up because less and less inventory, less and less uh, people that are, you know, let's say, in the situation where they're able to sell, and a lot more influx, uh, a, a lot bigger influx, of, I would say wholesalers into the industry at all. So those mm-hmm. factors are would be driving up the cost per deal. But I think a good average would be somewhere between seven hundred to twelve hundred. Some markets may be higher. Some markets I've seen in tertiary markets, Matt something as low as like $300 doesn't make sense, right? You know, because nobody's fishing it because we have all the data, right? We've sent out hundreds of millions of messages and I can see all the data appearance, which is interesting. You can see what people are fishing and what they're not. But I would say any tertiary market, you know, the ones that are not oversaturated, um, the ones that uh, that have not been hit by every single wholesale in the world, right? It's a lot easier to get deals done. Obviously, text is the fastest way to get it done. But in those markets, I mean, look, we have users that are like, they'll be in our light account, which is like $300 a month. Then what's left, Matt, your skip tracing cost plus your list, whatever you're getting it from, maybe an extra couple hundred bucks there. And they're cranking out, I would say, you know, two, three, maybe four deals on that our entry-level package, right? but because the targeting is so much more direct. And then from then on, you have secondary markets and then like you know the large markets that we all are familiar with. Uh, it's a little bit harder to play because everybody and their mom is texting. But the other thing we've done is we focused very much so on the copy. Look, everybody and their mom is saying the same thing. So if you differentiate yourself, and we have copywriting services for those that, look, not everybody is a born writer, right? Neither am I. So we are able to help out with that aspect as well to make sure that you're dialed in to your specific list to like, look, you know that foreclosure or somebody that's in forbearance is going to be a completely different conversation than absentee. They don't need to sell, right? Pain points are different. Dude, if your messaging is misdialed or using the same thing for everybody, well, that's what you're going to get. You're going to get very generic results that simply Mm -hmm. don't move the needle. Or in most cases you'll just get ignored or like, you know, spam blocked or whatever, because, People are desensitized. Look, everybody, I'm sure you're getting them. I'm getting them. If you own properties, you're going to get messages. Uh, yeah. But it's how you go about it. That's been the other differentiating factor that we focused on quite a bit. Right.
2: now, I was actually going to ask you that about, you know, we, we know it's going to work in a market where nobody's doing it, or it's going to work really, right. really well, right? And then even the mid-level markets are still going to work very well. So there's a lot of people that are concerned with the, the, the saturation or the competitiveness of their market. And you kind of maybe... Um, dropped one of the a little clue as to what differentiates as far as what the copy is and being specific to the situation. How else or what else do you see people that are succeeding in those saturated markets? Because somebody's buying those properties. So somebody is succeeding. Absolutely. What do you see? What do you see them doing that the others aren't? What what are
0: kind of some of the key ingredients? Yeah, so it's consistency. One, uh because here's the thing, look, I mean most people like you know this is a business. There's gonna be what, 10 hats to wear at, at the least, right? You prospect, you yeah. start the conversation, you get the deal, you you know talk about contract, you start going into the signing process, then you go into transaction coordination, then you're trying to sell the deal, etc. It's a whole roller coaster, right? So you're going to see people have a great month and going down because they let their foot off the pedal on the prospecting side. So what we've done again, we've tried to focus as much as we can on the follow up, right? So our drip campaigns being very specific a year out, etc. Right, but making that as easy as possible for users because you can even almost put that on autopilot. You still need to be compliant, still send those out. Um, But the point is, you don't necessarily need to continue uh, sending out new batches, right? Or let's call it new messages. Because if you've sent out several thousand, you know, 10,000, whatever may be the case, it's like mailers, right? Your phone's going to keep ringing. There's a lagging effect. But in this case, they're going to be the phone's going to be ringing because they're going to follow up with you when they have a need, they send your postcard, etc. But with texting, it's going to be based on you reaching out to them. And by setting up specific messages to go out at a very, very specific time based on their original need, right? So if it's a probate or if it's a, let's say, absentee or something else like that, the message is very targeted and it goes out at a very, um what I would say, efficient increments and, and the timing in the messaging, right? So you may have been not available the first time, you're not interested, or it's a maybe, you know, next time you're getting your groceries, it just wasn't convenient. But by the third, fourth times, we're seeing that, you know, nobody else is following up with these people. They send out this one message and that's it, right? Because they're not even capable of, or they're not able to sustain it all. But if you've sent out, let's say your first month, which might have been, let's say for one of these students, February, they've sent out 5,000 or 10,000 messages. You can literally coast the entire next month. sending out new messages and focus on follow-up only because when responses come in we have different statuses so we have hot warm nurture drip etc right so you can put a lot of people on drip or on even manual follow-up so you can just filter by those statuses and go go through it you have click to call so you can either text them or call right but where the, the biggest differentiator comes in is being able to actually take those actions. And with drips, it literally is like, you know, it's a matter of a few clicks, but you're back in the conversation. It's very non-invasive. You know, it's like, you know, you're not sending the same message because look, everybody's desensitized now. Like you've gotten them all, we've seen them all, we've seen like the bad versions of it where people will get the same list or they'll have the prospect because we filter out existing uh, prospects, meaning that you can't send the same message twice or you just sound stupid, right? Because you're... Literally, they know it's like a bot or you're you copy and pasting. Instead, right. what we'll do is we will send them another follow up message that's acutely based on the, where you left off in the conversation. And at that point, it's like, oh, okay, Matt, the guy. All right, he wanted to buy the house. All right, man, I gotta I gotta get this done, right? So at that point, they're like, all right, well, what's your offer, right? And the conversation comes back to life. And that's the same thing we just mentioned at the very beginning. That that's where the it's industry agnostic, right? But that's where that follow-up component starts to change the game. And that's where anybody in a a large metropolitan market or wherever you are, if they stick to our process and use our content or even their own content, because we show you how to do it. So look, here are the guidelines. You don't need to be in there going through this roller coaster up and down, right? And you don't always need to be prospecting because Mm -hmm. we make it so easy to do the follow-up and then you're able to see the results come in. It's just about staying in touch with people mm-hmm. Good. And our That's algorithms great. do the rest. That's kind of you know the other component, right the secret sauce that we've developed. the app is like 30 percent of what you see. Our algorithms and being able to get through people, high deliverability and making sure you actually are going through mm-hmm. is the other component. but you don't need to worry about that. That's just behind the scenes done for you.
2: Perfect. Yeah. You'd mentioned that the, uh, one of the factors up front, you'd said that the the data is important and where you get the data from. Uh, What type of parameters do you place on the data that you see to be the most successful?
0: Yeah. So honestly um, there, there's like, you know, the, the props from data, which is available to everybody. Right. So you can get that um, you can get the, what I would say, the, there, there's the broad lists, you know, think absentee that get updated, like, you know, once a month, depending on who you use, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Those always perform, right? It's just a matter of making sure that you are, again, using the right skip tracing service and you're getting like tier one or basically the, the best available um, match rates. But match rates are a little bit misleading. It's more about the accuracy rates, right? So mm-hmm. sticking with something that we have built in, which is um, our skip trace service has the highest accuracy rate, which is based off of the industry standard. But the other component is, you want to also focus on the niche list. So, like, think like you know, if you can get a water shut off list or the divorces, right? The ones that are smaller quantity, mm-hmm. but they have a higher pay point, right, or something like that. So, the right. way we work at an our team, right, and we basically let our users know the broad lists are always there. They're not as time sensitive, right? But the niche lists are time sensitive, and there's less quantity. So, we always get the niche list first and go through those and make sure we, you know, those are cleared out first and foremost. Because there's only maybe a hundred, there's maybe a thousand. It's easy to go through, and we always pay a lot more attention to those because they're highly actionable. There's probably a lot more pain points. You know, once foreclosures kick back in, depending what state you're in, right, the moratorium is off. That's gonna be uh, a, you know, interesting radio show. But <laughs> people are going to be all over that. But currently, like I said, like you know, like a divorce list or water shut off or anything else along those lines, you want to focus on niche first. As those get replenished monthly or whenever you can get the data, um, let, you know keep that keep those coming in, but then focus on your broader list. And that's the ongoing, right? You can pretty much dip into that at any given time. And look, they may receive 10 messages from other wholesalers or whoever it may be. But if you differentiate yourself by saying something different, coming at it with a different approach, or even actually getting your message through, right? Mm-hmm. Deliverability. That's going to be the key in making sure that you are succeeding and you're not doing your comp- what your competitors are doing, which most of your competitors are doing the same thing. It's just they're sending out one time blasts with no follow up and then hoping to score deals in the first run, which is very hard to do. It's possible, yes, but all the results are in the back end using all the other techniques.
2: Perfect. One other thing you would mentioned up front, which is was a, a, a KPI that's probably specific to you. And that's mm-hmm. your uh, text per deal. And that's always a big number or a big question that people have. Like, how long is this going to take? How many times do I have to do this? Uh, what are you tracking right now? Because I think it's a little bit differently now than it was, you know, six months ago and even 12 months ago.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I think right now we're between, let's say, 1,500 to 1,800 for us, mm-hmm. uh, my own organization. And it, it's basically some users, you know, surpass us. It just depends, right? But mm-hmm. You should not be anywhere near, um, I would say, over 3,000 text messages to a deal because at that point, you know, you're doing something wrong, right? Mm -hmm. If you're over, you know, 3,000, you're like 4,005. We have people that have come over from other platforms that are like, look, you know, they're just following the different set of guidelines. So when you're trying to score a deal off your first try and you're just sending the data, you're running out of data, first of all, right? And you're going through data like crazy. Your odds of success are going to be lower meaning that your text to deal is going to be astronomically higher. That number comes down as you have a compounding effect. So you sent like that example that I gave Matt, if you send out in February mm-hmm. and you coast through fe- uh, through March, you literally are going to start averaging down because at that point you're picking deals up or everybody else is not. So it's mm-hmm. a blended average, right? When I say okay. for us, maybe it's 1500, 1700, it's a blended average from, I would say, the previous efforts, and it starts to compound and, uh, you know, like you have a moving average, but it's not a one or two month thing, right? You want to make sure you're doing it in your first month. If you get a couple of deals, that's great. Second, third month, we have deals that have come in from, I would say, last year's worth of effort, right? We have deals that came in from like, I would say, January of 2020 because the conversation was started. We put them on the drip campaign and then the conversation evolved and they're like, look, I was ready. You're the only one that was in touch with me. Mm-hmm. Um so it the number actually trends lower, to put it differently, Matt, yep. the longer you have sustained effort. And exactly. unfortunately, most people just don't do that. Uh except right. our users, right? we right. follow the formula, that works.
2: So I always say that anyone
0: can do it, but most people won't. And there's the opportunity, right? Yeah. Um and so- we actually narrowed it down just to touch on that real quick, Matt. So we narrowed it down where we have kind of created our own managed managed services, meaning that we have people and um, we call them remote lead managers, right? Where they basically have their fully trained in our sales process and it's completely hands-off for the user, uh, meaning that they basically don't have to do anything except they have all the hot, I would say warm realtor referral type of things. Uh, All the hot leads, obviously, they want to sell, just pushed over to them. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're doing the discovery. They're taking them down or they're going to appointments. They do what they're supposed to do. So it's removed a lot of the effort for, away from it.
2: Very good. You know, one of the big topics of discussion before we entered into a global pandemic was the pushback on, on cold calling and the pushback on texting from the powers that be. Um, I haven't heard too much about it. Obviously, the last year they've had much bigger fish to fry in our world. But what does that yeah. status look like right now as far as the regulatory stuff?
0: Yeah, so it's going to get much harder, I think, with uh, compliance because there's new regulation coming out on how you're going to send your messages, right? So it's nothing that the users need to worry about because essentially the TCPA compliance is the big piece, right? And it's really about how you're sending out the message, right? That's what we don't – you need to click to send a message or hit a spacebar. bar. There's manual intervention, right? And you can do that. You know, you can do 100 times – uh, in 20 seconds. It's, it's usually an overthought component. So mm-hmm. to stay compliant there, it's still the same, right? We're also not soliciting a service, right? I'm not selling you ShamWow. I'm not asking you to list a property. I'm asking you to purchase a property or right. it's no different than obviously we're all, we're all familiar with driving for dollars, right? Mm-hmm. So it's no different than you driving by a house, getting their phone number or looking it up. Look, everybody has public records and I shoot you, Matt, a text on one of your rentals. It's like, hey, Matt, own a couple of rentals in the area, you know, drove by yours. Uh, You know, this is Aaron, you know, the local investor, whatever the case is Yeah, Would you be interested in offer by any chance? So it's no different than sending kind of like a message one-on-one, except we obviously have streamlined a lot of the process, Mm -hmm. but we are not looking to sell Matt, the homeowner or maybe the potential landlord, anything. I'm looking to ask you a question about acquiring your property. So as far as that, it has not changed. Uh, Now, as far as deliverability, you know, uh, messages going through, it's been a completely different topic, um, which, again, has been, um, (laughs) I would say it's affected quite a few providers in the area or in our space. Um, But that's going to continue to be a challenge because, look, there's going to be a lot of bad players, whether it's in our industry or in other industries where they're relying simply on like the spam method. Right. That's it. Right. Versus where you are doing selective texting and you're relying on extremely well-curated follow-up to ensure the highest results. Right. And that's where we've seen a lot more success, obviously, doing it that way because it's sales process driven. And then obviously with that comes much different outcome. Perfect. Well,
2: I that's all the questions I got. I've been looking forward to having this conversation for so long. I really just want to see it work. I want to see it demonstrated. and. We can't do that here on a podcast, but what we've done for next Wednesday is—that's the 24th of February—is we've set up a uh, an online workshop, an online web class for any of you that uh, would like to come join us and see it. I'm certainly going to be there because I can't wait to see it work. So you can go to WednesdayWebClass.com, where Aaron and his team will demonstrate the software and show you what probably the most cost-effective. Uh, marketing for real estate investors in the space right now, and not by a little bit, by far. You know, you said that the, the cost per lead or cost per deal is between 800, 1200 bucks, 700, 1200 bucks. That's like half mm-hmm. of what
0: the best direct marketing is getting right now. So correct, yeah. I mean, let's say even if it's yeah another thousand to that, right, Matt, or another. Mm-hmm. Let's say even if you double it, right, <laughs> it's still uh, a much better return, right? So yeah. I'm kind of going by. The the properly done method, you know, the properly executed, but, you know, even if, like I said, you're behind that, it still outperforms by quite a bit. So, yeah, you're right on target. For sure.
2: Perfect. So, Aaron, I will see you next Wednesday. That's 5.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And if you would like to join us, you can go to WednesdayWebClass.com and just click the little registration link, save your seat, and then uh, it'll be one big happy money-making party. Awesome, man, looking forward to being here. Thanks for being here, Aaron, and I will uh, see you next week. Awesome, care, everybody. Bye. All right, if you found this episode valuable, who else do you know that might also? There's a good chance that you do know someone else who would, and when their name comes to mind, please share with them and ask them to click the subscribe button when they get here and tell them about WednesdayWebClass.com as well, and I'll take great care of them. Alrighty, that's it for today. God loves you and so do I. Health, peace, blessings, and success to you. I'm Matt Terrio, living Yo. the dream. Yeah,
1: yeah, we got the cash flow. Huh. Yeah, yeah, we got the cash flow. Yeah, yeah, we got the cash flow. You didn't know, hope boy, we got the cash flow.